we got John Gordner, state senator, has been very gracious over the past few years to call us on a regular basis and keep us up to date with things that are happening. And in this case, we'll talk about some things that have happened. So, State uh, Senator John Gordner, thank you so much for calling in. Good morning, Senator. Uh, good morning, Joe. Good morning, Mark. I do appreciate that. Uh, I'll give you a double question first. Let's give us a quickie, your overview of the state budget that was passed, and then answer my first question is, uh, how will this avoid what we went through in the past where federal money assisted the state, but then it left uh, a gap for later? But first, your overview of uh, the new budget. We passed the budget on Friday of last week, uh, and all, all the fiscal codes that go along with it, or I'm sorry, all the codes that go along with it, fiscal code, administrative code, tax code, education code, and uh, what you just mentioned was paramount. Uh, I sat in on a number of discussions with House and Senate uh, Republican leadership, and uh, there was no doubt um, that we were all very concerned about what happened back in the 2011-2012 uh, budget. So what we did uh, this year that I haven't seen before is we basically looked at this year's budget. Uh, when I say this year, the budget starting on July 1st. We looked at next year's budget, and then we also looked at the 23-24 uh, budget uh, in order to make sure that there was enough revenues through all of them, and 23-24 would be the, the budget uh, for any new governor, whether it's Democratic or Republican. So uh, what, what uh, this budget does is, uh, first of all, we always have to balance them at the uh, state level. We don't, can't have trillion-dollar deficits like they do at the federal level. Uh, we are going to end up putting probably over $2 billion uh, in the rainy day fund. I think right now there's a couple hundred million in there. Uh, we're going to be adding $2 billion plus dollars into that rainy day fund. And out of the uh, $7.3 billion that we received from the American Rescue Plan, I think uh, we have allocated about $2 million of it, and $5 million of it uh, will be put in a restricted lockbox account uh, for uh, future spending in the next couple of years. What? <laughs> You're not overspending now while you have the abundant funds? No one's going to understand what's going on. Just, uh, I guess, uh, but put that in the form of a question, really. Uh, explain that this is paramount, that this long, you know, this issue will never happen again under your watch. And then I think you can add in there how closely involved you were, because as we watched uh, all the different budget reports that that trickled out, and, and not too many were ultra-public, but you're, you were in involved and, and throughout there. This budget has John Gordner in it, so uh, kind of look over that if you would. Well, I've been pleased. Uh, as far as our leadership team, uh, it was myself, uh, the Senate Pro Tem, Jay Corman, the Majority Leader, Kim Ward, uh, the Appropriations Chair, Pat Brown, and myself uh, that participated in the various meetings, whether they were with uh, the House uh, Republican leadership or whether they were with the Governor's office. And, uh, I mean, again, uh, when you were through what happened back in 2008, 2009, 2010, and then in 2011, uh, you don't want to relive it. And, uh, you know, I joined with Pat. Uh, Pat Brown is a very complicated individual, very smart, brilliant guy. He's a CPA. He's a, a attorney. And uh, he is... Uh, the foremost person with the numbers, and, and I had his back the whole time making sure uh, that we did a three-year budget and that we planned it all out so that there's going to be sufficient funds. Uh, frankly, uh, not surprisingly, the Democrats uh, 
I think, have come up with 10 billion ways to uh, spend the 7.3 that we got sent to us. But uh, when the federal government sent it to us, they said that uh, you have till the 23, 24 uh, year in order to spend it. And uh, we're, we're being very responsible and prudent. I mean, we're making, uh, as, as Governor Wolf has said, we're making the second largest investment in, uh, in public education uh, that's been made. Uh, we're, we're sending money to uh, nursing homes, basically for the workers there, uh, and there's other monies that they we're being responsible with. But we're also we're banking uh, two million, two billion dollars in the rainy day fund and five billion of the American Rescue Plan. Has the governor been a, an active participant in this uh, thriftiness, or has he been um, with the other Democrats trying to find ways to spend it all? No, the, the the governor, you know, the governor's big ask, and it was a big ask. He wanted over a billion. Actually, it was 1.2. He wanted 1.2 billion in new spending for uh, education, and he wanted to run it into uh, through a special formula uh, that, frankly, uh, it would have benefited uh, Philadelphia. Uh, by the largest amount ever uh, in, in, in the state. And uh, we ended up uh, agreeing to uh, $300 million, uh, which is still the second uh, largest amount of investment in, in K-12 education. Frankly, we're going to miss. Uh, he has had, over the last couple of years, a brilliant uh, chief of staff, uh, Matt Brunel, um, and uh, we are really, really going to miss him because he is leaving, I think, this week. And uh, he has just been exceptional in regard to someone to deal with and to get uh, things like this budget deal done. Was the governor's, uh, the money that you finally did agree to on education, uh, what's in it that you like and what is in that, no, not in it, that the governor wanted? Well, the governor, again, wanted $1.2 billion, uh, and he wanted to use the American Rescue Plan monies uh, for that. Frankly, uh, school districts, got money directly i mean it's it's amazing uh just in just in my senatorial district uh, i believe over a hundred million dollars is going to my school districts directly from the american rescue plan and uh, really a lifesaver in a lot of different ways uh, for uh, longer term projects for those school districts but 1.2 billion was just not doable um but uh, money, uh, I can pick out two school districts uh, in particular in my area that uh, benefited very well from this, uh, one being Shikalemi, uh, which is uh, getting uh, around a 5% increase, I think, uh, the number here in front of me, $630,000 of, of new funding. And Shimokin uh, is the other, and, and Representative Mosser and I have been working very hard uh, with the Shimokin School District, and it's amazing. We had two meetings uh, with them on a uh, weekday in the morning, and uh, almost every one of their school board participated in those meetings uh, to try to deal with their situation over there, and, and they're making out very well under this budget. Let's switch gears for a moment. Um, Radar. Well, no, I don't know, Senator, voted for radar. Thank you, John. Appreciate that. I have to speak. I have to speak to Gene, however, the next time I see him. Um, but you know, the governor uh, in many states now have ended this excess, uh, what do you call it, unemployment compensation benefit, and they're finding that people are going back to work. What are you finding in Pennsylvania? You know, is the job shortage all across the state critical? Has there been any thought to cur curtailing these additional payments in Pennsylvania? There's two parts. To it. First of all, in my 28-year political history, I have never seen the amount of employers of every size uh, 
looking for employees. Uh, I mean, you can't go anywhere uh, without, uh, you know, employee-wanted signs. And uh, the starting wages in a lot of different places are very substantial for our area where the cost of living is low, plus sign-up bonuses. Uh, again, that's something I just never have seen, uh, you know, whether it's fast food or manufacturing places, uh, the sign-up bonuses that they're putting out there, banks, et cetera. So the, the two parts that are the, the problem is the governor suspending the work, work search requirement and uh, then these uh, the three hundred dollars extra at the federal level um uh, i think we're at 26 states uh, all republican governors that uh, are phasing out the three hundred dollars um but uh, the overwhelming majority of states have reinstated the work search requirement and governor wolf is not doing it till i think around july 10th or so uh, i participated in a two-day statewide chamber event uh, last week, um, I'd say a week ago, and a, a little over a week ago, and I was on the panel on Thursday actually to kick it off, and the governor was on Friday morning, and uh, state chamber um, CEO Gene Barr pressed the governor on reinstating the work search requirement, and uh, in the governor's words, he said, I'm not there yet. Um, and yet uh, our unemployment rate continues to be one of the worst uh, in the country. Uh, so it, the math just doesn't add up. Uh, let me switch back to the budget, and probably just very briefly, the corporate net income tax isn't coming down. The governor's been talking about that, and, and you talk about it uh, when asked about it. But th this year wasn't the opportunity to try to do that? There were a couple of things, frankly, that the governor's office put on the table if we would agree to that $1.2 billion increase for education, and we just couldn't. We couldn't mathematically do it and in budget planning over a three-year period uh, consciously do it. Um, but one thing that we did get, which was a huge win, um, not only for the business community, but for, frankly, the nonprofit uh, community, was the governor agreeing, agreeing to repeal the uh, overtime regulation that he's had, had out there for the past couple of years. Um, he had proposed doubling what the uh, salary uh, level is for uh, having to pay overtime. And uh, I heard more, frankly, from my nonprofit organizations uh, that were going to be adversely affected uh, than businesses. And as part of this uh, budget um, compromise, we're now able to uh, stay at what the federal level is and not have double that uh, at the state level. And that was really a big win for the uh, business community, but also the nonprofit community. Let's talk about the upcoming political scene. Reapportionment is uh, going to be on the front burner before too long. Uh, we've heard about gerrymandering and this federal bill that was going to eliminate gerrymandering. Uh, last time, the state Supreme Court redrew the district maps. What's going to happen this time around, Senator? Well, there's two parts to it. Uh, one is we have to draw the congressional maps for our congressmen, and we are going to be losing a congressperson, I should say. Um, so that's going to be a challenging in drawing that map. But that map is actually done in the form of a bill in, in that the, uh, the House and Senate approve it and the governor needs to sign it. Uh, so that will definitely be uh, something that will have to be worked out among uh, the House and the Senate and the governor's office and how to draw that. We've sort of been uh, looking to see if any congressman was going to run for a higher position, and, and that would have allow us to uh, maybe 
uh, eliminate that person's seat, but that hasn't happened um, officially yet. And then there's the uh, the state house and the state senate uh, seats. That's done through the reapportionment commission. Uh, each of the leaders are on that, and then. The chair is a former uh, Pitt chancellor that was appointed by the state Supreme Court, and they've been having several meetings. And uh, the uh, the process of drawing maps, I've been down to uh, look at what a map could look like. And and my you know my big point is uh, we need to keep uh, all of Snyder, Northumberland, Columbia, Montour uh, in in the uh, 27th senatorial district. So we'll see how that goes. Well, the all, also, sorry, Mike, but just okay. the, over the years, we've had uh, a major effort to keep Snyder, Union, Northumberland, Montour, and Columbia counties, or some part of them, all together in the same congressional district. What is, what's the outlook for that? I have not seen any congressional maps, and if, again, frankly, I'm sure, and, and let's just start uh, with the big thing. Uh, normally, by March, uh, the federal government has provided each state with the final census block numbers. Uh, that did not happen this year, and it looks like it's going to be September uh, when we get the final census block numbers instead of March. Um, I think there's something in the federal law that says that it's supposed to get to us by April 1st, and uh, the Biden administration was not able to meet that deadline. So uh, we can't really work hard, hard on doing these maps until we get the official census block numbers uh, from the federal government. You'll get them in the months ahead, don't worry, and then then the work will begin. What about banning vaccine requirements, the uh, vaccination passports? What's your view on this idea of uh, restricting public entities that uh, might require vaccination? Uh, we passed that legislation in the House and Senate. Uh, it's one of the many bills that are on the governor's desk. Uh, we put, I don't know, 30, 40 bills on the governor's desk, so I know he's he's got 10 days from when it arrives to officially decide on it. That's one that we passed. Um, and to his credit, uh, Governor Wolf has not indicated that he wants uh, to do a statewide vaccine passport. So it was more of a, a preventative type of thing. But he has said that he is going to veto that legislation that we put on there. All right. Uh, the uh, One of our listeners sends a note, says, what, if anything, can Republicans in Pennsylvania do to stop enforcement of unconstitutional federal gun control edicts? This particular listener probably concerned about what the Biden administration is interested in doing. What can the state do to stop that enforcement? There is legislation in the Senate and the House that have been uh, proposed on that, and it basically uh, says something along the lines that... Uh, State officials would not uh, be required to enforce any new federal regulations that do not comply with the Second Amendment. And uh, those were not taken up yet, uh, but there is legislation pending on that. Um, I do support the Senate version of it. Although, frankly, uh, you know, if and, and that largely is because at one point uh, President Biden said that he may be doing some things by executive order and bypassing Congress, and that always raises a concern. But I end up having faith in uh, the U.S. Supreme Court blocking anything uh, that he would do by executive order that would violate the Second Amendment. 
There's been a lot of news recently about piecers and the fact that it's um, in upheaval. I guess there's calls to get rid of the chairman and the chief financial officer. The pension issue in Pennsylvania has been on the front burner for a while, then it's kind of moved to the back. Are you concerned about this coming back again? And, and has there ever been what you consider to be a good, solid solution to the problem? Yeah, we did uh, Senate Bill 1, and I'm trying to think it's maybe been three or four years ago. And as a result of Senate Bill 1 and changing the retirement system for new hires, and also what, what cre- created this sort of crisis at Peasers was that uh, as a part of what Senate Bill 1 contained was that if the returns did not meet a certain uh, amount, and I forget if it was 75 or 6.5% return, then the uh, employees would be on the hook for the additional amount of money, not taxpayers. In the past, it was always taxpayers having to pay for uh, the difference. And uh, Senate Bill 1, which uh, nationally was recognized as the biggest uh, pension bill uh, that was passed by any state government since Michigan did it one back in the late 1980s. So, uh, yeah, we did a significant bill and uh, it triggered this recent crisis with piecers but i have uh, i have very uh, big concerns when you have the federal government uh, investigating uh, an entity like piecers that uh, there's issues there that need to be corrected anything additionally you'd like to comment or add to a, a remark about that we did not ask you just uh, one other thing that uh, we addressed uh, both on wednesday of last week and friday on this week is has to do with elections and has to do with uh, voter id and uh, signature verification uh, we passed a, a proposed constitutional amendment that takes two consecutive sessions this is just the, the first session and then we also did one uh, in a, a wide-ranging bill, um, House Bill 1300. And uh, I would note the uh, recent polling that was done by uh, F&M, and, and that uh, particular entity is not a Republican or a conservative entity. They indicated that uh, over 70% of voters uh, would support some form of uh, voter ID being required, as well as some form of signature verification. So the bill that uh, we sent, House Bill 1300, contains a lot of reforms that the counties were asking for uh, and uh, things that uh, proved popular in polling. But uh, once again, uh, Governor Wolf has indicated that he's going to, to veto that. Most of the state is not listening to my protests about this, so I'm hoping they catch on eventually. So, uh, John, thank you so much for calling in and being a regular uh, uh, keeper us up to date on this kind of thing. We really very much appreciate your checking in each time. Yes, thank you, Senator. Yep, great talking to you guys. Take thank care. That is a State Senator John Gordon, 27th District. He is the uh, state Senate Majority Whip.